You're probably familiar with closed captions on TV shows and movies, subtitles, an essential feature if you have trouble hearing. But what if you have trouble seeing? The Great White's massive head pops up above the surface as Brody chucks another scoop of chum into the water. You're going to need a bigger boat. Audio description is a mysterious alternative audio track that's been sitting right under your nose for decades. Today, you'll meet the people who create those tracks. They have to describe fast action by multiple characters without ever intruding on the dialogue. I'm David Pogue, and this is Unsung Science. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Okay, here we go. Season 1, Episode 11, Subtitles for the Blind. In the mid-90s, I lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. One fine night, I flopped on the couch, turned on the TV. What the hell is going on here, Mulder? And the weirdest thing happened. Eileen Saxon was wheeled into the operating room. In a recreation, white sheets cover the tiny baby on a gurney. Clearly, there was something wrong with the audio. It sounded like there was some off-screen interloper saying out loud everything that was happening in the show. But in a super weird way. Like it was leaving some things out. And saying some things before they'd happened. And the tone was kind of like clinical. Whoever was talking seemed really neutral about the drama on the screen. In the sterile operating room, the surgical team wears white lab coats, caps, and masks. An attendant wheels a tray holding gleaming instruments and a stack of white cloths. That was my entirely accidental first encounter with audio descriptions for the blind. Just as closed captions were invented for people who can't hear well, audio descriptions were developed for people who can't see well. They've been right under your nose for years. I've had vision loss my whole life, so I don't know what normal vision is or what I'm missing. Gotcha. I see color. Things aren't blurry. They're just not as sharp and in focus. Lauren Berglund is the Consumer Relations Coordinator at the Guide Dog Foundation. So before audio description came along, what would you be able to get out of a movie? I would get the color and kind of the movement, but I couldn't recognize the people. I couldn't necessarily recognize the scenes or what was happening. If there was any text on the screen, I couldn't read that. So really, I was just reliant on the audio cues of what was happening in the scenes, but really was not able to pick up what was going on visually. With audio description, I'm really able to get a full picture of what's going on in the scene. I know who's doing what, who's saying what, and then what the characters look like, and where the scene is even taking place. Let me play you a scene from the classic 1994 Disney movie, The Lion King. The original animated one, not the live-action version that nobody asked for. Pretend you've never seen this movie. Pretend you've just sat down in the theater with your friends and your popcorn. And now, for the first four minutes of the movie, there's not a single word of dialogue. Because this is an audio podcast, you're about to get exactly the same information that a blind person would get. See how much you can follow by listening to this. Oh, 
I mean, great song, but what's going on in the story? A lot, actually. There are characters interacting. There's a phenomenon of nature. There's crowd action. But you wouldn't know any of that. Now, here's the same scene with the description track turned on. High above them, Simba dangles from Rafiki's arms, looking small and scared. A ray of sparkling sunshine beams down on Simba like a spotlight. Far below, the animals bow down, their heads nearly touching the ground. From far away, we see every animal from the savanna paying respect to their king's new son. Makes a big difference. Shortly after my freak TV night in 1996, I figured out what I'd been hearing, but I had a lot of questions. Like, who came up with audio description? Who's doing the talking? Who hires these people? What do they do about sex scenes? Do they mention people's race? Can you get the descriptions if you're streaming movies? How about if you're in a movie theater? Let's start at the very beginning with Margaret Fansteel. Kind of a cool spelling. Silent P, F-A-N, Fan, S-T, I-E, Silent H, L. Fansteel. She was born in Virginia in 1932, grew up in Maryland, and went to a music conservatory intending to become an opera singer. But in her 30s, she developed a degenerative disease called retinitis pigmentosa and lost almost all of her sight. And with that, she also lost her ability to see plays, go to museums, watch TV, or even read the paper. So, in the early 70s, Margaret Fansteel became obsessed with finding technology that could restore those cultural options. With some government grants, she founded a nonprofit radio reading service called the Metropolitan Washington Ear. A radio reading service is where volunteers would read the news each day over the radio so that blind people could, in effect, read the paper. Her next target was the live theater problem, and here's where our story really takes off. Well, audio description actually started in 1981 in Washington, D.C. It was a project between the Metropolitan Washington Ear, and Arena Stage. Bill Patterson is the founder of a company called Audio Description Solutions, and he was there at the birth, which took place in Washington, D.C., at the Arena Stage Theater. The house manager at Arena Stage said, hey, we've got this wonderful new system of assistive listening devices for people who are hard of hearing point the microphone at the stage and boost the sound for people who are hard of hearing. And he said, I don't know why we can't point a microphone at a person who describes for people who are blind what's going on. So he spoke with Margaret Fansteel and she went, wow, that sounds like a great use of some new technology. So she enlisted, actually he was not her husband at the time, but he became her husband within a year or so, Cody Fansteel, and the two of them created audio description. The idea here was that blind people in the audience would wear headsets, and a professional describer person would quietly speak into a microphone what was happening on stage. Cassandra looks around her, takes out a snow-white-dressed voodoo doll, takes a hat pin out of her turban, stab, looks up the stairs, <laughs> eyes wide. They began to try doing it from, like, the sound booth, the lighting booth, that kind of thing, because typically those are walled off with a glass window. So that was the very first audio description. The describers didn't use scripts. They just wung it live, just describing whatever they were seeing. But from that experiment, they established the ground rules for working around the dialogue. Of course, they realized, you know, almost immediately, no, nobody listened to two people talking at the same time. And so, you know, there was one of the original rules of audio description. Don't speak over the dialogue unless you absolutely, absolutely have to. We're at the mercy of where the silences are. In the early 80s, Bill Patterson met the Fansteels. 
He was a professor at the University of Maryland, and he wanted to get descriptions going for the university's own theater productions. But he kept running into theatrical situations that hadn't come up before. There was an occasional something that had never presented itself. Boy, was it handy to have Margaret at the other end of the phone line to call up and say, "Okay, I got a new one for you. (laughs) And she loved, you know, being part of that problem solving. Eventually, Bill became a describer himself. He teamed up with the Fansteels and helped to perfect this strange new dramatic art. Good audio description is a lot like police reporting. It's well-observed, it's factual, it's accurate, it's efficient, it's matter-of-fact, no nonsense, it's useful information. So I shouldn't write... There's an awesome explosion. I I could write, there's a huge explosion. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, what are the colors in the explosion? Yeah, I wondered about that, about the colors. I got to tell you, I really sacrificed for this episode. I mean, I watched a lot of movies, all for research, all for you. And I discovered some super weird things about description tracks. Like, they're constantly mentioning the colors of things. Here's just one line from Legally Blonde. Wearing sparkling pink heels and sporting a magenta dress with a fuchsia satin sash, she carries a pink bag and sports pink lipstick and pink nails as she struts down the central aisle and approaches the defense table. And I wondered, how useful is that going to be for blind people? Many people who lose their sight have been sighted and have memories of color But also people who were, you know, blind from birth, they've learned about color. They they know that red is hot and tempestuous and so forth, and that blues and greens are serene and restful. Also, remember that 90% of blind people actually have some vision. Yeah, true. Almost nobody sees complete blackness. It's far more common that you can detect some light or maybe blobs of color. In that case, a description track that identifies what the blobs of color are is hugely helpful. If somebody has limited vision, describing the blazing orange sun at the upper left lets them clue into That's what that is up there. I just thought it was a blur. Okay, so when you're writing a description track, the first thing you have to decide is what to describe. I find description challenging because there are about 47 things I would like to describe right (laughs) here, and I have time for five words. Really important is to describe things that Keep people connected to the plot and its changes. Absolutely, entrances and exits. Who's here and hearing this? And props. Yeah, we may as well admit that audio describers have to leave a lot out. Sometimes a really lot. There's this great movie, animated movie on Netflix called The Mitchells versus the Machines. And it's... We did that one. Did you really? <laughs> oh my gosh. Reese Lloyd is the studio head for Descriptive Video Works, one of the busiest audio description companies going. They've described TV shows like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, House of Cards, Friends, The Office, movies like Crip Camp, Mank, Uncut Gems, and The Beatles Get Back on Disney+, and a lot of live events like the last few Olympics and the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Santa continues to dance in his sleigh. And there's a scene where the dad has set up basically an animal trap that's a a lasso of rope on the ground tied to a tree branch that will snap upward when someone steps in there. To survive in the outdoors, you'll need to know how to trap wild game. Now this is very sensitive. Hey, who's this curious guy? And he's having a conversation with the neighbor who walks in and is about to step into that loop. So the dad, in order to save the day, steps in and gets caught in the loop himself. 
None of that is in the audio description. To survive in the outdoors, you'll need to know how to trap wild game. Now this is very sensitive. Hey, Mitchell. Oh, the dad dangles from a tree. Hey, who's this curious guy? Four possums attack him. Yeah, it, you're not wrong. There's, there's. I mean, the limitations of what you can get to are significant, and and so we are often making the choices of like it's, it's like, you know, what can you describe? You've also got to figure out when to do your describing. Here's Bill Patterson again. For instance, in a mystery play, at a critical moment, the cat nudges a vase off the mantle, it crashes to the floor, and behind it are the jewels that have been missing. And so at the moment all that happens, you can't start talking about, oh, there was a cat there and so forth. No, you need to get the cat established just, you know, matter of factly, you know. So you can't say, oh, I forgot to mention there was this cat. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so audio descriptions were chugging along in live theater performances here and there, and the describers were gradually figuring out how to make them work well. But descriptions didn't make the leap to TV until 1988, when WGBH came a-calling. WGBH is Boston's public broadcasting station. I've actually been there in that building, because by pure coincidence— GBH also produces NOVA, the science show that I sometimes host. Well, part of our mission is to provide programming to the largest audience possible, and that includes people with disabilities. So that accessibility story starts 50 years ago with WGBH inventing broadcast captions for people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Inventing? Yeah, the, the first program that aired... Broadcast captions was Julia Child's The French Chef, 50 years ago. This is Brian Gould. He's the director of the National Center for Accessible Media at WGBH, the department that invented not only closed captions for the deaf, but also TV audio descriptions for the blind. GBH also uh, invented descriptive video service. I had no idea. I'm a fan of that science show they do. Oh, (laughs) Nova, I've heard of it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To develop audio description for TV, GBH went straight to the source. Well, we were trying to bring this service to television, worked closely with the Washington Year and and took uh, many of their practices and guidelines and applied it to television and, and got some grants. It's this guy, Brian Gould, who reopened my own cold case, the mystery of Pogue's 1996 TV, and solved it. That was really weirded out. Like, who's talking? So many people have that happen where all of a sudden the TV starts talking to them and telling them everything that's happening. And and they say, but I can already see this. You had somehow stumbled onto something called the second audio program channel or the SAP channel, originally intended to broadcast usually Spanish translation of a show. So the decision was made to broadcast descriptions on the second audio program channel. And so you stumbled on that, and that that started happening more and more as remote controls started to have an SAP button on them. By the way, most people call this feature audio description, but you also run across the term video description. And in Canada, they call it described video, or DV. So is is the terminology, I've heard it referred to as audio description, I've heard it video description. (laughs) I think it actually comes down to acronyms, because... AD is better than VD. For those under 40, let me explain that reference. VD was the term for what we now call STDs. (laughs) That's funny because VD is really what it is. They're describing the video. They're not describing the audio. That's right. That's right. (laughs) It comes down to what's the little bug on your your website or on your publication going to be, and it's going to be AD. It's not going to be VD. (laughs) And this is how technology is made. For many years, WGBH was the only game in town. Of course, they made description tracks for PBS shows, but in the early 2000s, GBH also went into the business of describing Hollywood movies. Another first. 
any movie that was described, yeah, it was described by us. No one else was doing it. Really? Oh, wow. We probably did every movie that was described up until, I don't know, 2005 or something like that. In 2010, President Obama signed the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, or as insiders don't call it, to It mandates that the big TV broadcast and cable networks produce description for at least 348 hours of shows a year, and that movie theaters of a certain size have to offer wireless headsets for the description track. On broadcast and cable these days, most of the popular dramas and kid shows have descriptions. You know, Shark Tank, The Bachelor, Family Guy, The Simpsons, Law and Order, and NCIS whatever. And of course, just about everything on PBS. And um, all your episodes of uh, Nova, I'm sure, are described. Oh my gosh! Wait, have you never watched? Of course they are. Turns out he's right. Here's what one of my Nova shows sounds like with audio description. And I run a few comparisons myself. David hammers a banana. It smushes. He hammers a Linex-coated banana. It doesn't crack. He whacks it with a baseball bat. In slow motion, David wields a sledgehammer. Finally, bringing out the big guns. He drives a truck over the coated objects. They hold their shape. I had no idea. Man, those sound like pretty good shows. Anyway, yeah, audio description has become a thing. We did a dozen movies a year. And now there's dozens of movies a week or even a day that are coming out with description. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So how do you hear these audio tracks? If you're watching TV, you use your remote to choose that SAP audio channel, second audio program. It's probably in the menus. The streaming services like Netflix, Disney+, HBO Max, and Amazon Prime commission descriptions for just about everything they produce. The Crown, Tiger King, Succession, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Atlanta, Ted Lasso, Game of Thrones, and on and on. Here's a little bit of Game of Thrones. Drogon shoots a second jet of flame directly at the Iron Throne. The spiked fringe of blades glows red hot and bends backward. The swords begin to melt under the immense heat. The Iron Throne liquefies into a bubbling mass of molten steel. On those streaming services, the description track is listed in the same menu with the other language soundtracks. Right there beside Spanish, French, and whatever, you'll see English AD, audio description. And I have to mention this incredible smartphone app called Spectrum Access, formerly called ActiveView. It plays the description tracks for movies and shows, over your earbuds if you want, but here's the cool part. It figures out how to sync up with whatever is playing— in your home or in a theater, by listening to the soundtrack and figuring out where you are. Here's the sound of the app finding its place in Black Panther. He activates his mask. Okoye points her spear at Killmonger. Spectrum access is free and it's amazing. Now, if you're a sighted person, you might be going, oh, how nice that there's a technology solution for blind people. But anyone in the accessibility world can tell you it's a very rare accessibility feature that doesn't also go mainstream. Like, you know curb cuts? Those ramps at street corners? They were designed for people in wheelchairs. But nowadays, who uses curb cuts mostly? People with bikes, or strollers, or rolling luggage, or carts. Or take subtitles. Nowadays, I watch everything with closed captions on. You just get so much more out of the writing. You miss a lot less. Reese Lloyd is convinced that audio description will break out too. If you're anything like me, a lot of my viewing is done distractedly with a laptop in front of me or my phone. And audio description can fill that gap for you. If you're cooking, I mean, I used to live in Los Angeles. I know the traffic there. And people sometimes want to keep binging that show they were watching. They could potentially listen to it on their phone as they're stuck in traffic. And with audio description, they can not miss some of the visuals. So yeah, audio description has been a big success. And the concept seems simple enough in practice. 
But in the real world, things can fall apart pretty quickly. After the break, the seven nightmares of highly effective describers. They are as follows. Short deadlines, fast action, subtitled scenes, sex scenes, racial issues, long credits, and synthesized voice software. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know, after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to ten dollars back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used. Because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. And now, a word from me. Maybe you're liberal. Maybe you're conservative. Maybe you think the climate crisis is man-made. Maybe you think the whole thing is a Chinese hoax. Guess what? It doesn't matter. The world has gotten hotter. Natural systems are going haywire. And you should begin to prepare. Thus begins the world's only book that tells you how to prepare— And I wrote it. It's called How to Prepare for Climate Change. It's a practical guide to adaptation steps that you can take for your own benefit, your families, and your homes. It's about where to live, how to invest, what to eat, how to build, what insurance you need, how to talk to your kids. It's also about preparing for the extremes that are coming soon to weather near you. Floods, fires, heat waves, droughts, superstorms, water shortages, power failures, and social disruption. How to Prepare for Climate Change, the ultimate field guide for our new climate. Okay, we've been talking about audio description tracks in TV and movies, which I like to think of as subtitles for the blind. Brian Gould's department at WGBH creates descriptions for all kinds of visual culture. Let's talk about how these get made. The typical situation is that we receive a final show, a finished program, and typically a describer will watch the program and maybe watch it several times so that they know sort of if it's a, for example, if it's a mystery sort of program, you don't know what the red herrings are until you know the end of the mystery. And then what, you fire up Microsoft Word and start typing? Well, we use some specialized software that helps doing what we call timing out. Once the script is written, edited, and approved, it's time to record the audio. Description companies hire professional voiceover actors, the kind of people you hear on audiobooks. And this is the part that blew me away. They read it stone cold, without ever having looked at the script first. It's an amazing process. They're in their recording booth with a microphone and a little monitor, 
and their headphones on, and they're watching the program or the, even the movie for the first time and reading the script live. Now, of course, if they flub or, or they read too fast or too slow, they can edit. And presto, a description track is born. Seems like it's pretty easy, right? Seems like creating a description track for people with low vision shouldn't be any harder than creating subtitles for people with weak hearing. Ah, but that's where you're wrong. Audio description is a lot trickier to make than subtitles, for seven reasons. First, you generally have very little time to create the track. If you're doing a movie that's coming out Friday night and we get a copy of the movie on Wednesday and it's two and a half hours long, you need six people to write the script as fast as humanly possible. That happens? Oh, sure. (laughs) Oh, sure. I, I can tell you way, way back in the day... The second theatrical release movie that GBH ever described was Titanic. Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we had to do it very fast. It was like 24 hours of of writing like crazy. But it also was in theaters for like a year and a half. So it had a very long tail. I'm the king of the world! Jack tilts his head back and closes his eyes as the enormous ship surges across the ocean. The second problem comes with the territory. How do you describe action that's happening faster than you can narrate? Well, one way is to pre-narrate. In The Matrix, they say, Neo, in slow motion, does three cartwheels, grabs the submachine gun, and fires into the chest of the guard. And that hasn't happened yet. Neo drops the submachine guns and runs directly toward the troopers. He flips in a cartwheel and grabs an M16 rifle from the ground. That's a great example because in a fast-paced action scene, this is an audio experience. If the sound effects for what you just said are about to happen and they're quite loud and pretty, frankly, awesome to listen to, you want to create that image and you want to, you know, preload it with those words and then it happens. Because if you're just describing, well, this just happened, you're never going to catch up. Together, they walk to the elevator. Problem number three is foreign language subtitles. Remember, the golden rule for a describer is that you never talk over dialogue. But what about, what about when the entire movie is in another language? Then you have to talk over, obviously, because you have to provide the information. There's no other way to watch the movie. We've gone to the lengths of actually hiring three different people to do the job. One person just to read descriptions, one person to read male parts that are, um, or male characters, read that subtitles, and another to read female character subtitles. I wanted to hear what that's like, where the describer just speaks right over the dialogue. So I spent four bucks to re-rent the fantastic Korean movie Parasite, which won four Oscars in 2019, including Best Picture. Here's what it sounds like. And guess what? It doesn't have a description track. Nobody bothered to make one for a Best Picture Oscar movie. What the heck? I did a little Googling. Turns out that subtitled foreign movies almost never have description because they tend to do so pathetically at the U.S. box office. Apparently, there was a described version of Parasite in the U.K., but the American distributor, Neon, decided to just blow off Americans with low vision. Seems kind of dumb. You're just going to write off 8 million viewers because you don't want to spend a few grand getting the description track done? Okay. Now the fourth challenge. Sex scenes. Like this one from the 2015 Brangelina movie, By the Sea. And parents of young children, just a warning here. The following audio clip acknowledges the existence of bathtubs. Still clothed, Roland climbs into the tub. He holds her close and they share a gentle kiss. Okay, so how about sex scenes? What happens there? Well, when a man and a woman love each other very much, David. (laughs) This interview is over. (laughs) You asked. In all scenes, uh, description writing, 
must take in the context. If it's a adult drama or an R-rated film, it's going to be described in the context of the film, in the in the quote-unquote language of the film. And we have used, you know, not X-rated words, but we've used racier words depending on what the the level of passion is, I'll say. Would you use body part names? Of course. Of course. If you're being, I'll say, prudish about a sex scene in an R-rated movie about two people who are being very passionate about what's going on there, well, why should someone who can't see the scene but is listening to it not understand what the director is providing? And while we're on the topic of evolving awareness, Reese Lloyd again. Historically, the guidelines around race and audio description was to describe the character's race if it's relevant to the plot, which, I mean, on the surface of it, makes a certain degree of sense. A case in point, Get Out, Jordan Peele's 2017 social satire horror movie. It's a movie about race. Every single major character is either black or white, and their race matters to the story in every single case. And so, sure enough, the describer almost always lets you know. Here are some examples. A thin young African-American man walks while on his phone. A brown-eyed African-American man faces the steamy mirror. A Caucasian brunette stares at pastries. Walter greets a white couple. Except in one kind of surprising case when the white cop starts harassing the black main character. They mention that the cop is bald, but not that he's white. Rose faces a bald police officer. Sir, can I see your license, please? Of course, this was back in 2017. Brian Gould says that the world is always changing. When I started writing descriptions way back in the mid-90s, skin tone or race was only mentioned when someone was not white. You know, if you're describing a film or even a documentary where someone is a NASA scientist, for example, or in a position of power, but is a person of color. I always think of the situation where a young person is seeing someone who looks like them in a position where they don't expect them. Right. Well, if they don't hear the person's race or skin tone, that's a a missed opportunity there, I think. I asked Reese Lloyd about this. I mean, it occurs to me that the conversation has already been had by the makers of the movie in their casting. I mean, you couldn't you just punt and say for every character, he's white, he's fat and bald, he's 45 years old, you know, and, and so on. 100%, you can definitely include that. But what are, you, what are you omitting that's also relevant in those precious seconds that you have? That nut hasn't been cracked yet. That That's still a challenge, and, and these are good challenges to have. Like They're the things that keep this fluid and interesting and, and ongoing. Challenge number six kind of cracks me up. It's the closing credits. It's been a long, long time. The credits for Avengers Endgame are 12 minutes long, and include over 10,000 names and their job titles. Assistant Depth Supervisor, Choir Master, Prop Maker Gang Boss, and yes, 10,000. I actually pasted them into a spreadsheet to see how many rows there were. I don't get around when I write my podcasts. I'm so confused. Sometimes they, they seem to name some people and not others. So that comes down to what, what does the contract say? There was one movie studio that required every single credit to be read. And so you could sit in the movie theater for, you know, another hour and a half and listen to the credit. No! Because, you know, sometimes it's three columns of credits going, you know, animators and, and everybody else. Seems like the trend is not to expend quite that much effort anymore. When the first Avengers movie came out in 2012... The describer didn't read all the credits. Kim Do-Nguyen, Tanoi Reed, Troy Robinson, Debbie Rondell, David Schultz. But he read as many names as he could during the credits. He left out all the walls of animator names and song credits and skipped right to the copyright notices. And, of course, his own credit. 
This film has been described by Deluxe Digital Studios with funding by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. Voice by Travis. Nice job there, Travis. But by 2019, when Avengers Endgame came along with its 10,000 names, Travis was sent home early. In Endgame, you don't hear a single line of the credits. Now, I promised to outline the seven challenges of describers, and if you're in the audio description business, this last one might be the scariest of all. If you remember Unsung Science Episode 3, then you already know that synthetic speech is coming on strong. These days, text-to-speech systems sound scarily real, like this. This is a synthetic voice. My mission is not to put human describers out of work, really. So the obvious question is, what place is there for human describers when a text-to-speech app could do the same job for free? Our stance on synthetic voiced audio description isn't that it's inherently bad. It has its limitations today as a technology. I think some of those limitations are in its ability to subtly carry emotion in the way that a human voice can. Reese Lloyd from Descriptive Video Works is generally not a fan, but he'll allow text-to-speech in some situations. There's some content for which synthetic voice might be a, a reasonable solution, like information-based programming that is less emotional or less about if being evocative. If your program is a medical show, like, like a literally a, a documentary about medical procedures, you, your level of evocative requirement is lower. Brian Gould of WGBH would agree. I mean, there's millions of hours of video being uploaded every single day. And having that read by synthetic speech just to have access to it is absolutely appropriate and, and even welcome. Why put in all of the production time and budget into, you know, a how-to video? But if you're sitting down to watch a movie, you know, there, there's a cognitive load that, that happens when you're listening to synthetic speech. And human speech is much more natural and is easier to process. For now, though, the seven challenges of creating descriptions today shrink to insignificance compared to the biggest problem of all, getting shows and movies described in the first place. I stream 99% of everything. So it would be, you know, picking something and then going into the menu and the audio settings and seeing, oh, does this have audio descriptions? And, and hoping it does. Lauren Berglund again. Like Netflix has a section of only audio described titles. So sometimes I'll start there if like, you know, I want something that is audio described. Sometimes I'll find that like certain seasons of a show are described, but not the whole thing. Or sometimes I'll go to like ACB has a full list of audio described titles. So sometimes I'll go there and look through the list and try and pick something out as well. By ACB, she means the American Council for the Blind. They have a site called the Audio Description Project, ADP. At their website, adp.acb.org, which I'll link to at unsungscience.com, you'll find an incredible resource. They have an up-to-date master list of every single TV show, movie, DVD, live show, museum, park, and tour that has audio description. So overall, if you had to guess a rough percentage of how often you strike gold these days, what, what would you say? Maybe 40%. Like on Hulu, it'll be described if you watch it on live TV, but when it's on Hulu, it's not described. Grey's Anatomy is described on live TV, but if you watch it on Hulu, it's not. Weird. I wish more places would audio describe. So that's the thing. Audio description is here and it works great. We just need more of it. Reese Lloyd sees no reason we can't expand our definition of described video. I think there's also ways in which we can stretch the service beyond what it exists today in order to achieve more. And so we're starting to see interest from broadcasters in including audio description in sporting events. We did um, some work uh, ourselves on the uh, Olympics and Paralympic Games uh, previously. We did live audio description of the uh, Macy's 4th of July fireworks. Hold up. Fireworks? 
How on earth would you narrate... Above the lights of Manhattan, a trio of red fireworks illuminates the dark sky. They are overtaken by three golden explosions that expand outwards like fiery flowers. Their golden streaks cascade towards the Hudson River, dissolving into twinkling sparkles. Oh, okay. I guess that's how you do fireworks. Reese, go on. There's no reason those can't be described. Why wouldn't you want to connect to everybody? Like, if you're a creative and you're passionate about what you produced, why wouldn't you want everyone to consume it? That's a great question. Lauren Berglund is especially baffled by advertisers who leave millions of potential customers in the dark. The thing that gets me is like commercials, because I'm like, you're leaving out a whole audience of possible consumers by not making your commercials accessible. Because I like, I have no idea what's going on in your visual-based commercial with just music in the background. And if you're an advertiser, don't give me the excuse that we've only got 30 seconds to get our message out. We don't have time. Because there's a hack for that. There is also a service called Extended Audio Description, where the video either gets paused to allow description to take its course, or the video can be looped over the course of while the description is happening. And so the actual duration of the described version is actually different than the duration of the non-described version. Wow. I honestly think that the uh, inevitable convergence of gaming and linear media into some hybrid interactive format is going to allow the viewer more latitude to make some choices about that. Like, what if instead of just pressing pause, there was a way you could press pause, tell me more? And, you know, those technologies are possible. I think you're going to start to see a little bit more of that, that ability to control it. In all the time I spent making this episode, that parasite thing really bugged me. Best Picture Oscar... And not a single blind American will ever get so much as a taste. But wait a minute. I now have some of the world's most experienced audio description companies on email autocomplete. What better way to wrap up this episode than asking them to fill just a little void by creating a description that's never existed before. A custom track for the best scene in the entire movie Parasite. It happens to be a really challenging scene to describe. There are 10 characters in this scene tearing around three stories of a house, and there's dialogue in Korean with subtitles. Here's the setup. It's the story of two families, one rich, one poor, each with two children. The rich Park family has cut a trip short and will be returning to their luxurious home in a matter of minutes. But the lower-class Kim family has made itself comfortable in the house during their absence and actually made a mess. The Kims have a matter of minutes to erase all evidence of their presence there. If you were blind, here's what you'd get out of the scene. You can follow that, right? Uh Uh-huh. But now... The world premiere of that famous scene from Parasite with a new custom description track written and produced by Descriptive Video Works. You'll be hearing a lot of character names. I told you it's a frantically choreographed scene. But listen in particular for Chong Suk, the matriarch of the poor Kim family, and Ki Tech, her husband. Oh, also at the end, you'll hear the fate of Man Kwang, the housekeeper who's threatening to blow the secret of the Kim family's real identity. Good luck! Chang Suk. Then you're almost here? Yang Kyo. Eight minutes, according to the GPS. Chang Suk. You arrive in eight minutes? Yang Kyo. Start boiling the water right away. Chang Suk hangs up and turns to them. What the hell is rammed on? Chang Suk races into the kitchen with her cell phone. She grabs a bag of flank steak from the fridge, then slides her arm across the counter and sweeps the mess into drawers. Move quickly! Kitek forces Kunsei through the kitchen. Hurry! He pins Kunsei's arms behind his back and takes him downstairs. Chang Suk fills a pot with water and puts it on the stove next to packaged ramen noodles. Ki Wu drags Man Kwang downstairs. Dad! 
I can't drag her any further. Ki Jung sweeps broken glass under the sofa and cuts her hand. Ki Tech drops Kunsei to the concrete floor, then grabs an electrical wire off the wall. Chung Su chops the steak. Ki Tech binds Kunsei's feet. What are you doing? Ki Wu drags Mun Kwang by her arms. Dad! Ki Tech rushes up the narrow steps and down the hall. Go quickly! Help upstairs! Mun Kwang slumps against Ki Tech. Chung Su puts the seared meat into the pot. Ki Wu runs upstairs, then into the living room. Ki Jung tosses Da Hei's diary. Take this. He catches the yellow diary, then races upstairs. Ki Jung stuffs garbage into a trash bag. She spots the family returning, then stuffs the bag under a large wooden coffee table. She rolls underneath the table as the family walks upstairs. Da Song and Da Hei wear headphones and walk through the living room. Jung Suk steps out of the kitchen. Welcome home. Yang Kyo. Da Song looks. Let's eat Ramdon. Upstairs, Ki Wu puts the diary away. The song. Dahe flops onto her bed. Kiwu locks the case. The song. Downstairs, Meng Kwang kicks Ki Tech and he falls backwards. She runs out of the bunker with her hands bound behind her back. Ma'am. In the kitchen, Chung Suk fills the bowl with ramdon and turns her head sharply. Meng Kwang nears the kitchen and Chung Suk kicks her backwards down the stairs. Her head strikes a concrete wall. And scene. In this life, every now and then. It's nice to know what's going on. Unsung Science with David Pogue is presented by Simon & Schuster and CBS News and produced by PRX Productions. The executive producers for Simon & Schuster are Richard Rohrer and Chris Lynch. The PRX production team is Jocelyn Gonzalez, Morgan Flannery, Claire Carlander, Pedro Rafael Rosado, and the project manager is Ian Fox. The amazing Jesse Nelson composed the unsung science theme music, and fact checker Christina Ribello positioned herself nobly between my scripts and certain humiliation. I'd like to thank my research assistant, Olivia Noble, for spending hours trolling through movies to help me find my examples. For more unsung science episodes, visit unsungscience.com. And for more of my stuff, visit davidpogue.com or follow me on Twitter at Pogue. P-O-G-U-E. We'd love it if you'd like and subscribe to Unsung Science wherever you get your podcasts. And spread the word, would you? Thanks for listening. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.